What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of After the Game, a conversation with me and my dad, where we talk about the jazz and all things sports. My name is Spencer. Hey, and this is Barry the Dad. Welcome, Spencer, to our second episode kind of of this season, as it's uh, Monday, October 3rd, 2022. The regular season's right around the corner, and the preseason is in full swing with, I think, 15, 16, 17 teams that have played, two international teams are also playing some preseason games with the NBA and the Utah Jazz. Last night in Edmonton, Canada, played the Toronto Raptors. So it is upon us, and it's almost go time for the NBA. What are your thoughts, Spencer? Anything rambling around in your head about the Jazz and the NBA? Preseason is fun. I'm not a huge preseason guy because personally I don't really know how much I mean it clearly doesn't matter matter but there is some benefit to players getting to know each other and playing together if they haven't already but with that said there are some things that happen during preseason you're like all right well that was that's going to be almost irrelevant moving forward even though it is a good time to learn I like how the league does it I like how we play these teams from other countries um we uh and we were up in Canada playing it's it's fun to have the international exposure and and these international teams come out and they play their hardest because they're being viewed on the NBA platform so it really is more competitive when we play these these teams and the Jazz uh they they held on right they got the win <laughs> uh the Jazz did not win oh they didn't the Jazz did not the Jazz did not win no they won. <laughs> Uh, is that wishful thinking that you have? Or did you kind of go, well, they won? I think they might have had a lead. They played a good first half and then they got smoked the second half, which I think is a little microcosm of how the season is going to go. Being an old-time Jazz fan, um, I remember some of the rough years that we had in the rebuilding process or possibly under Tyrone Corbin. And it was the same feeling, like you get into a game, the team would give you energy and hope and play their hearts out in the first half. And then the veteran team would come out and just run you into the ground in the second half. And that's what happened in this preseason game in Toronto with the Jazz actually losing to the Toronto Raptors by 32 points. Yeah, I'm a little embarrassed. I just noticed, I I read the score wrong. I read the Jazz as 114, but they lost. (laughs) so that like i said i didn't wasn't really paying attention to preseason happenings but well listen it uh it shows (laughs) it shows in what you just said you know the jazz i had to remind myself that it was game one of the preseason in a rebuild with a new coach and actually i saw a stat and i'm not going to quote it exactly but the toronto raptors have the most returning players from last season than any other NBA team, which I think the jazz probably have the less or at least they're close to it. So this game was the most experienced or returning team that's intact playing the least returning team that's less intact. And uh, it showed in the second half early on the jazz and Lori Markinen, I think uh, Walker Kessler, little bit of uh, Colin Sexton played really well. And you can definitely see that Laurie Markkinen is prone to having a breakout year. The challenge is going to be this team's going to be hungry, scrappy, and then veteran teams are just going to take over. And that's what happened with um, 
you know, the, the Toronto Raptors players last night and, and, uh, and what they did to the jazz. So who started for the jazz? Were you able to catch that? And how realistic is that starting lineup? Well, it, it was a starting lineup of Mike Conley, Malik Beasley, Lori Markin, Kelly Olenek, and Jared Vanderbilt. I think it's pretty close to how the season will start. A little bit of a shocker that Colin Sexton didn't start, but if you start him and Mike Conley, you're somewhat in the same boat as you were last year with Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley. So Sexton came off the bench. You gave him a little jolt. The challenge with that is Sexton comes off the bench just a couple of minutes before Jordan Clarkson comes off the bench. And both of these players are go get buckets type players. And that didn't look too good when they were both in the game at the same time. Um, Malik Beasley was awful. There's no way to say it other than he was just flat out awful. And Jared Vanderbilt was a rookie. Um, Again, Lori Markinen was the shining star scoring 20 points, grabbing rebounds and having some assists. Jared Vanderbilt did distribute the ball with six assists. And one thing that I saw in this game that worries me for the season is the Toronto Raptors on offense hunted for Mike Conley or Colin Sexton, which means they put those two guards whenever they were on the floor, either together or separate in a pick and roll with a big man and just posted them up. I mean, Nick Nurse knew exactly what he was doing. And time and time and time again, Mike Conley, Colin Sexton, or Jordan Clarkson found themselves guarding bigger, longer, stronger athletes that just took him to the rack. Yeah, it's tough when when you're small on the court. How do you think is so is Will Hardy going to learn from this? Because he's a first year coach. Is this something that he realized? He's at a faster, bigger pace. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, you're not a head coach in the NBA for nothing. And we didn't give a five-year contract to a coach that's young for nothing. He knows it. He sees it. One of the other things you've just got to – we have three veterans that do you – what do you do with them? And that's a harsh question. What do you do with Mike Conley? He's a, he was an all-star. He's one of the best point guards in the league over the last decade or so. What do you do with Jordan Clarkson, sixth man of the year award? What do you do with Rudy Gay, you know, an all NBA player, or at least, you know, a a great player. Rudy Gay looked bad. He looked every bit of 36 years old and then some. Now it's first preseason. Maybe the next game he gets a little better and maybe gets his feet underneath him, but he looked bad and Clarkson looked bad and Connolly looked bad. And I, I, I just don't know how Will Hardy, Sometimes a great coach isn't about coaching what's on the court. It's coaching what is on the bench or in the locker room. So we're going to have to see. I think Clarkson's got an attitude. It's like, well, whatever. I'm just going to go out and play. I think Connolly's like, I like Utah. And I think Rudy Gay, There's, you're going to need to make a quick decision on Rudy Gay. Can he play or not play? And do you try to get something out of him in a trade? Or do you cut him loose? Very harsh words I'm saying here, but I just don't know. He did not look good last night. That's tough. And and then Olinick kind of didn't doesn't look like he did much. If you look at the the scoring, he had zero points. That's tough. I mean, we're used to our. I mean, Gobert averaged a double double as center, so he was getting ten points a game at least. But 
Yeah. It's not going to be, he's not going to be a cleanup. It, like, like I said, I don't know if Olenek is going to be a, a, a cleanup put back center. Cause he kind of rolls off the pick and roll for a, a shot. Not, not a runner to the basket. Yeah. You got it right. Um, Walker Kessler, our rookie center looked to be the better center last night. And remember we got, uh, Yudoka out with injury. I don't know. Again, as a coach, do you sit Olenek and start Kessler? That's kind of a strong statement to a guy who's been in the league for 10 years and a rookie. Our athleticism, our hustle, our wanting to be in the game kept us in the game in the first half. But you clearly saw who was the better team in the second half as they outscored us, I think, 63 to 32 in the second half. So... There, we're going to get exposed. You saw it at the rim, and you now realize why Rudy Gobert was the defensive player of the year, and, and what you're really going to miss. You're going to see a totally different Jazz team. Um, I don't see Malik Beasley going two for twelve from the field next game and one for eight from three. I think he'll be better than that. Um, I I don't see Jordan Clarkson kind of being here, there, and everywhere, not adding that much impact. And another guy who they said was doing really well in training camp was awful. And that was uh, Ale- uh, Alexander Walker. So um, I have here that the the team before the game said that Beasley was the best shooter on the team during preseason training camp. And he only shot and he shot two of 12 and was one of eight from three. So if Beasley is going to be our three point shooter this year or our shooter in general. Doesn't look like he's kind of doing well. He, yeah, he was he was terrible. He didn't look right. He didn't play right. He didn't shoot right. Again, how can I sit here talking about a preseason game in Canada? And and it was three different segments. You had that starting five I talked about. You had guys coming off the bench and Rudy Gay and Jordan Clarkson and and Walker, and Walker Kessler and, you know, a few others. And then you had the final five, which was like Taylor Hutton, Horton Tucker and Fontesio and Jared Butler was in that mix. You have to lose three players, and I'll end with this. You have to lose three players to get down to 15. So if you look at who didn't play – um and I'll, I'll leave you with this about this game. There were there were three guys who didn't get into the game who were healthy enough to get in the game. And they were Saban Lee, um, Leandro Bulmaro, and Stanley Johnson. So is that sending a signal that those three guys are gone and then the roster of 15 is complete? Uh, I, you know, Cody Zeller, Simon Fontesia, Agbaji, Jared Butler, they all went in. Now, I, I I don't know what happens in the long run, but I was really excited the first half, and then I was brought down to earth in the second half. So I guess that's somewhat good because we had our starters playing the first half and and had our more – Yeah, they did start the third quarter, and they got run out of the gym. So I, see, I hear where you're going, okay. that we held our own with our starters, but we really didn't at the start that's of the third. The they just They just squashed us. But – you know, you live and learn. And listen, the Toronto Raptors finished fifth in the East last year, and they're coming back with most 
returning players of any team. So to be expected, it's going to be a long season. I think you've got to get ready to watch muscle. And, and quite frankly, you got to be excited about the first half, realize the second half is going to hurt. And you got to look for a surprise every now and then on a win that you didn't expect. Yeah. Well, it's going to be a up and down season. Then I guess we play the trailblazers tomorrow, right. For another preseason right. matchup and the trailblazers were kind of linked to kind of where we what were projected getting about 35 wins is where the trailblazers were last year. So it could be a team a little bit more even with us than the Toronto Raptors and might be a good, good, uh, good prediction for what, what comes during the season. Yeah. As much as you can say <laughs> what preseason means, you're the one that started the podcast by saying absolutely right. You know, how much does all this mean and what does it really tell us? I will say one thing, the jazz look pretty good in the black and yellow jerseys last night. It's kind of fun to see the, Something there's so much new. You know, how many teams get a new coach? Well, that could be something new. How many teams trade away two NBA all-stars? Well, that doesn't happen, plus a new coach. And how many teams go through a rebranding with new jerseys? You could not be any more fresh than the Utah Jazz. Now you got to see how long the freshness lasts. So you like the jerseys? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I'm easily pleased by things. Yeah, it's fine. That's good. I mean, all of them, all players, by the way, and uh, right in front of the scores table on the floor is the number six for Bill Walton. So all of them have a number six on their jersey. Every NBA player will, and a black round number six, and then six is on the basketball court. So cool. um, paying respects to one of the greatest of all time in Bill Russell, not only as a player, but a coach for the Boston Celtics. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So I guess if you're moving around the league with, with preseason and kind of what it means and how, what it doesn't mean as well, you look at the Phoenix Suns losing their preseason game to um, the Adelaide 36ers. 36ers. So, and that was the first time in five years that a team from the NBA has lost to a foreign team. And the last time that a team lost, it was to Luca and Madrid when he was playing for interesting Madrid. So that was the last time an NBA team lost to a team that was outside of the United States. And it was because Luca was on that team. Yeah. It looks like Adelaide uh, beat them by 10. And, <laughs> and they played their starters too. It wasn't just like a random game. I mean, it is preseason, but <laughs> they played. I think a lot of teams are playing their stars. I don't know for how long enough to go look at that box score, but um, people are trying to get their feet underneath them. Let's let's be let's be clear. There's they've only had really four days of practice, and then you're trying to figure this out. I think the regular season, that first seven to ten game spurt, is going to be interesting for all the teams. I can tell you as a Jazz fan, it's going to be a long season. I'm not down on the jazz. You never know what could happen here, but you quickly realized last night and you wonder what will happen tomorrow night in Portland, that we're just a team that has no continuity. And you wonder if marketing can do what he did last night uh, throughout the whole season, but he looked good. He looked, hit outside shots. He hit rolls to the basket. He actually played some defense, uh, but Will Hardy's got a tough job. So Again, not only on the court, but trying to figure out how to manage uh, veterans. 
so you're talking about kind of what type of team the Jazz are going to be within the NBA. What does that say about other teams looking at the Jazz and the way they view the caliber of the Jazz? Are there going to be, are we kind of a, oh, let's go out and take advantage that we're playing the Jazz and, and win and play hard and win? Or are teams going to come and play us and say, oh, it's just the Jazz and we might catch them sleeping? Man, we're going to get, we're going to get everybody's best shot. We're we're a team where you say that's an automatic win if you're a good team. And that, so you're make gonna... you, that make you fall asleep on us though? No, no, no. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think I think the games for us, we're going to have to beat those teams that, you know, like OKC and Houston and San Antonio, try to sneak a win off of a Sacramento. You know, you, you got to go get those teams in the West a couple of times a year to keep your wins up. Other than that, we're going to, we're going to struggle mightily against really good teams. Yeah, I was kind of hoping that we. It's okay. It's okay. We we've known it, and boy, I could be eating my words from this podcast come midseason, but I realized last night that all the hope and excitement in all the world and how great Sexton, yeah, marketing is, it's just not going to happen. Dang. Well. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sticking to that we'll only get 25 wins this season. I think that's kind of a um, a shot that we could – a goal that we could go for. Uh, I I don't know. It's tough because every team out there has talent, and it doesn't matter if, like – I, I kind of was hoping, hey, maybe teams will fall asleep on us and we'll sneak in some wins. But I also remember that some teams – or about 95% of the teams out there just don't like the jazz and don't like Utah for some reason. So they're going to be like, Oh, while they're hurt right now, let's just dominate and put up points and get our stats up and just not show any form of mercy. But we're going to, we're going to see, I'm I'm still, for some reason, I still believe we're not a tanking team. I think we're going to go out and play hard and try to win. The reality is, is our team just isn't good enough to win. But um, you had uh, some thoughts on some other topics tonight. What else is going on in your head? I know that Ben Simmons scored his first points for the the Brooklyn Nets tonight. They're playing right now, and so he got a he drove to the ba- he got a cut to the basket from Durant and dunked it. So his first points in the first couple of in the last couple seasons has finally made it to the hoop. He he just dunked it so. Can't really yeah, miss. he played uh, played 19 minutes tonight, had six points. His plus-minus was a minus 10 while he was on the floor. I don't know what that means. But um, playing his old team in the Sixers, and uh, the Sixers are up by 13 with three minutes to go for what it's worth in that prison game. But good good catch on Ben Simmons. Looks like he started Durant, Joe Harris, Claxton, Irving, and Simmons. So interesting starting lineup there. You wonder how the ball moves with Simmons and Irving and our man Royce O'Neal oh, yeah. had 11 points tonight for the Nets. So good to see Royce playing 17 minutes tonight in a preseason game. True. Um, so that uh, the league's kind of, I don't know, starting to turn out the way that it's going to go, but what did you say one time we were talking about Giannis said something about how it's harder to play in the FIBA league than it is to play in the NBA or something? Yeah, he said the Euro said the Euro League, it's harder to play in the Euro League it's than it is in the NBA. Definitely I, a lot more passion, a lot more yeah 
hustle, hustle if that makes sense so i guess i guess he's saying hard as in like you have to grind a little bit more and you can't be caught sleeping well two things and it makes sense what he's saying one you're in a tournament whether it's soccer or basketball or whatever it may yeah, be you're, you're in a tournament it wasn't like he was playing regular season nba basketball that each team was out to win or go home so it was okay. very playoff-esque atmosphere where it was hard number two He's the freaking superstar on his team. Everyone's coming at him. I'm not saying they're not yeah. doing it in the NBA, but on the Hawks, you also have Middleton and whoever else on that team, but the Bucks. So even though you're coming at Giannis, it's not like you can just ignore the other guys in, in Euro basket. You can kind of ignore everybody else and just go guard Giannis, which makes it harder for him. So I think his statement wasn't a, oh my gosh, that's all that's that brand of basketball's it's hard to play or harder than the NBA. I think he was saying at that moment, it was a lot harder for him to play Eurobasket. One, it was a tournament, and two, they're keen in on him all the time. I mean, fair statement. Great tournament. Let's think about it. You had Jokic, Markkanen. There's so many more. Fontesio, two jazz players there. You had Giannis. You had Rudy Gobert. You had Luca. And there's I'm probably missing 10 others that are great NBA players and actually almost first-team NBA, all-NBA players. It's the game of basketball is global. I I don't know if we tried this. I think we did. I think we have in the rookie game and during the all-star break, international versus national. It would be fun instead of doing an East and West all-star game to do an international U.S. matchup in an all-star yeah, game. What, um, because the NFL just did their game in London and they have another game in London. Do you see the NBA doing that, doing a little – trip to because i guess it's harder because the nfl you do one game a week so you can take the time to travel to london and back in in the week you know but will the, will the, NBA, the NBA like that the nba's done regular season games i believe overseas so it's i it, know that yeah we've i think we've what about hawaii or alaska um just the market's not as big but like do you think we'll ever go back to do a couple games in, well, in we japan? just barely win japan for a preseason game and all, uh, there was a, there was an all star game in Japan type thing. I saw Curry was um, he was doing a three point contest in Japan this week. Yeah, the war the Warriors played over there. So, uh, I mean, I'd have to go back and check, but I'm pretty sure the NBA played regular season games. Let me look it up internationally. They definitely have played preseason games for over 30 years. It started with what was called the McDonald's International or Invitational International Games. So they play all preseason. They play over there. I think there was a regular season game overseas, a home and home. Let's see. No, I don't know. Um, did you see that there was talks that – Westbrook might go to the Pacers. I mean, I don't know how interesting. Yeah, that they is. keep talking about that. I think you got Buddy Heel and who's their center that are the the key pieces of that deal. I mean, that we're getting so close to the season. I guess you can still trade somebody at any point in time, but then all of a sudden you're just playing with your teams and and you're really hurting your regular season. So we've got what two weeks until the start of the regular season. Those trades, I think, have to be made within the next week at the most. Yeah, because you don't want to – I mean, if you're doing preseason, you're doing preseason to figure out your team, not to not to make changes. But 
LeBron definitely needs to make the playoffs this year or else it's not going to be good for his legacy. So he might be. Yeah, we talked about that last time. So, yeah, Yeah, Um, the all-star game's coming up for Utah eventually in the next couple months. How do you think that affects the Jazz as they play? Because it's going to be sad if they're like bottom of the table going into the all-star game. I guess you can say that. Yes. And when we played 30 years ago, the NBA All-Star Game, John Stockton and Carl Malone were the MVPs of that All-Star Game, which made it fun to be a jazz fan and watch your your guys do so well in the All-Star Game. That's just not going to happen this year. We won't have an All-Star unless marketing goes crazy or Conley lights it up or Sexton plays well. It would be great to have an, uh, a jazz player there. I think right now as a jazz fan, you just got to say, hey, I'm going to go enjoy the All-Star Game knowing none of my players will be there. True. It's sad, though, because everybody's roasting the Jazz for their jerseys on social media, saying that that the jerseys tanked along with the team. If we're all if the organization is just trying to trying to tank every aspect of the team. So I don't know. There's not much love for Utah. I'm hoping the All-Star game can help fans around the world realize how great of a city Salt Lake is and stuff. It will be great, and and the love. It would have been a little bit better to have Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell and us vying for a top seed in the playoffs than what's really going to happen. And yet, you you can't you can't keep your franchise just on that alone. So, so if you knew that this, this is, is it looks like the the NBA did play a regular season game on Thursday, January seventeenth in London. That was the Wizards and the Knicks. So I know you made a statement about the NFL doing it. And yes, it's only one game and they have a week to relax. David Stern, many times while he was the NBA commissioner, Adam Silver, even over the last you know four or five years, has addressed these questions. They've talked about putting two teams in the UK or Europe. The way that travel goes now, it's a six-hour flight from the East Coast. It's very similar to whatever flight would be from the East to the West Coast. They've talked a lot about putting teams there I just think they want to make sure they've got all the financials in the right place at the right time. And there's so many U.S. cities where expansion teams could go versus in in Europe. But um, yeah, the NBA's looked at it for sure. Seattle could get a team back. It'll be the International Basketball Association at that point. Yeah. They've even talked about, well, I think as the game grows internationally, you're going to see the Olympics taking on more meaning and the World Cup taking on more meaning. Yeah. no longer is the U.S. walk into a gym and win a tournament. There is the Rede- Redeem Team documentary. I don't know if it's out yet, but it's coming out on Netflix. That looks really cool about how the how we came back to the Olympics. What year was that? Redeem we team. lost in two thousand and four. Yeah, so we went. We went out. Didn't even make the finals. I think we. Did we even get third? I can't remember. Anyway, I think so. so we blew our chances in the Olympics and then we came back and dominated it. And so we'll see how that, I, I heard that documentary is going to be really good. That'll um, be a lot of fun. There was one other thing I was going to say. Oh yeah. Just to kind of finish this up. I, cause at the end of last season, I was to the point where I was like, let's just blow up the team and start over. And maybe you were feeling the same. And a lot of other fans were feeling the same. If you, Looking, if you could go back in time and know 
who we would have gotten, would you have said, let's blow the team up? So I'm going to go a totally different direction than answering that question and start what you and I have talked about off podcast. I think when Danny Ainge arrived in Utah in mid-December 2021, during the 21-22 season, Mm. his physical presence and hiring caused a riff in the jazz mentally by the players going, "Uh uh-oh, this guy makes trades. He's been hired to analyze and make trades. We're done. And if you notice when the team started to really not gel was after he was hired. And no one is talking about that. They're only talking about what a genius he is. Look what Danny Ainge has done. And I'm not discounting all that he's done. But I think at some point, somebody should have stepped back and said, why did that happen in the middle of the season? What did it do with the mental state of the team? And so when you ask me that question, would I go back? What would I do? Would I blow it up? Would I not blow it up? Was it a frustrating season? It sure was. But I don't know if it was as bad before mid-December as it was afterwards. And I personally believe that's because of the physical and mental presence of Danny Ainge and what it did to the team. Interesting. But then after Ainge came and it was clear that he was going to blow up the team once we failed to get out of the first round, was this the type of team you were, I wouldn't say hoping for, but are you? I thought I thought we actually might rebuild around either Donovan that or keep one of them. Yes, I didn't expect both of them to go. Yeah, neither. Did I that. really expected Rudy to stay. I and was I expected Mitchell to leave too. And and I actually think that I don't know. Everyone speculates. I actually think Rudy was going to stay, and then Minnesota just made an offer where you go. Holy cow. The guys that we're going to owe this guy over $40 million in the coming years. He's been exposed in the playoffs. Who can we really put around him that would make it any better? Let's just let him go and get what we can get. But I do believe it's that there might've been a twinge of, should we just rebuild around Rudy? Or at least that's what I would have done. Yeah, that's true. It's interesting. But, I mean, we're here now. We got who we have. And I'm excited we have Markinen. I like him a lot. Um, but I don't think there are a lot of bets to be made on the Jazz this year. So so you you think they'll win? How many? We know you, you shared the article we talked about on last podcast, 34, 35 wins. That's what ESPN you believe, That's what ESPN said. But you believe what? 25. Yeah. I'm going to stick – I'm going to say between 25 and 27. That I'm going to – 27 is where if they score, if they win more than 27 games, if they win more than 27 games this season, then I am going to retire from this podcast. Oh, wow. I'm just kidding. I don't know. So last, I don't know what I'll do, but I think 20, you can come up with something. I don't think though. I think the over under is at 27. So last year, the, like you said, the trailblazers won 27 sack, uh, OKC 24 and Houston 20. So you're definitely predicting they will be in the bottom, let's say, three of the West. Right. What do you think? You're going to go just a bit. After last night, I would say you're absolutely right. 
But then again, they could go into Portland tomorrow night and play incredibly well. There's just so much newness on a team. I mean, Clarkson's, I don't know. I don't don't know. Watching Nick Nurse hunt Conley and Sexton and put them down on the block on a on a pick, it just scares me. I just don't know if anybody else watches that game as a coach. Mike Conley's going to get a steady dose of being posted up. Yeah. Well, I and I feel for him because the game has changed. You now have players who can guard all five positions, and those teams do well in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I mean, I said it last year. You have to be a, almost – you almost have to be at least 6'3 in order to play in the NBA now. Yeah, what people forget is I think Steph Curry is probably 6'3, right? I, yeah. Mitchell's 6'1, right? Yeah, Mitchell just wasn't big enough, nor did he take pride in it. And part of the problem was you knew you always had Rudy to clean up your problems. The reality is, though, when you got to the playoffs, the whole game changed on him and no one went to the basket and Rudy couldn't get out and defend on the three. He could, but it exposed them other ways. Yeah, so Steph Curry is 6'2". I say 6'3", just because John Morant's 6'3". I think if you're, you have, in the way the league's going, in order to play in the NBA, you have to be at least 6'3". All right. Well. I, I don't know if you have to, but you certainly have to play a bigger defense than you, because you're going to get screened and screened and screened. You've got to, you've got to have a defensive scheme that keeps you out of that matchup. Hmm. And and Will Hardy didn't have it last night. And how could he? He's only been on the job a week here. He doesn't know. Do we what. have a defensive specialist because Royce O'Neal was our quote unquote defensive specialist. Yeah, and he wasn't that good near the stretch either. I'm not bagging on Roy. Just facts are facts. Um, Colin Sexton showed a lot of hustle. Jared Vanderbilt has a lot of length. Um, Walker Kessler can supposedly defend the rim. But no, we're not a good defensive team, nor do we have a defensive specialist. And then our three-point specialist would just be, I guess, Clarkson is going to try to shoot threes again, but also, I guess, Beasley is supposed to be our three-point Beasley specialist. is supposed to be that three-point threat. Markinen can certainly hit it, and Conley had a good stroke or two last night, and Sexton did as well. I just don't know. Remember, we made a conscious effort in the bubble two and a half years ago to go all out with threes, and we had three-point shooters and boy. And Boyan and Joe and Clarkson and Donovan and Conley and Royce, you know, so you had them. You know, one of these, we we don't necessarily need to do a podcast, but what if we would have had Boyan in the bubble? Hmm. Would we have won? We, would we have beat the Nuggets? Would we have beat the, 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 the Clippers? Could we have beat Lakers. the Lakers? What if, what if, what if, what if? But remember, Boyan was not in the bubble. Well, I don't think he's going to be in the playoffs this year either. So I know. I know. sad for him. All right. Well, I think that's uh, where the league's at right now and where the Jazz are. We look forward to tomorrow. Maybe things will be a little bit better. And then do you have the date of the first game of the season? I certainly do. The Jazz open. Um Let's see. They, I think they open Wednesday the nineteenth. Okay. At on the road against the Nuggets, and then they're home two days later on Friday 
That's another, that's another thing that we're running out of time we have about a couple minutes, but they are doing rivalry games. That's the subject of games for, for certain teams playing their quote-unquote rivals, and they're kind of making it a theme to be the rivals. I think the Nuggets will be our rivals, so I guess we're starting off with them. Yeah. I think the fun one will be will be away on Wednesday night, the 19th for the opener. Let's see. I'm sorry. It says home, so I must be wrong. Sorry, we're home on Wednesday. I can't tell what's preseason or regular season. We're home on Wednesday the 19th against the Nuggets. We go to Minnesota the two nights after that and play Rudy, which will be a fun game to watch. Yeah, well, we'll need something to tune us in. All right, Dad, is there anything else? All right, Spencer! Okay, well, thanks for talking. Thanks, Spencer. And um, we do a podcast on Thursday. I think you're traveling. Traveling, so maybe we try to get one on Friday. I might be traveling. Make it happen. Well, we'll do. We'll we'll let people know. You got it. All right, Spence. Thank you. Good night. See you. Bye.